Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we are talking about Minute 81, which begins with several acolyte lieutenants being taken out by Max, and it ends with Max tracking down Toe Cutter and Bubba Zanetti. Good Monday morning, Julia. Happy Monday. So we started our little checklist of Toe Cutter's lieutenants being struck off the list, and we already struck off Kundalini, Mudguts, and Clunk. Well, as we start the minute today, we get to see Diabondo and Starbuck just kind of skidding along the road and their bikes are tumbling end over end. Like these guys probably going to have to buy all new gear because it's going to get completely friction burned off. (laughs) Yes. I just thank goodness for helmets. Yeah. This is why you wear helmets. Mm -hmm. Especially because... While Diabondo is off, you know, skidding on his stomach or something like that, Starbuck is kind of rolling with the bikes and... Right, he's like amongst the bikes. This tire comes in and just smacks him in the back of the head. Oh, it looks awful. Oh, it's so bad looking. This scene in particular started an awful rumor that the stuntman who performed this was killed because of how much the helmet moved and whatnot. Yeah. In the Madness of Max behind-the-scenes documentary, they actually talk about how the stuntman who was performing this has a head that is smaller than Nick Gazana, and so they actually had to put padding on the inside of the helmet to make it fit right. Yeah. And so when that tire comes in and hits the helmet, the reason the helmet moves so much or appears to move so much is because that's just the extra padding absorbing the impact. And funnily enough, that extra padding is probably what really saved that stuntman because he was just able to pop up and walk after it. Well, thank goodness for that. I It's funny because this is a movie like about outlaws. Yeah. But they still wear their helmets. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Safety first. You can break the law, but if you break yourself, you're not doing anybody any favors. Right. So... I think in the context of the story, Starbuck is definitely off. Like, he is done. I think Diabondo could probably recover, but But with the way those bikes were skidding and rolling and sliding around on the road, he's not going anywhere. So if anything, he gets to hang out with the other three who are hurt way worse than he is. Yeah, and... Wait, for what? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, for someone to happen to come along Mm -hmm. and maybe you can hitch a ride to somewhere where you can get help. Yeah, that would be a pretty hard sell for hitchhiking unless he left them behind and came back later. Yes, yeah, certainly. Because Diabondo could, in a sense, flag someone down who has a ute, throw the other three in the back of the ute, they ride to a town, call up Gumchewer, and she borrows her friend's pickup and, you know, picks them up. (laughs) But either way, there's no chance of them getting back into the motorcycle scene anytime soon. No. For sure. So that makes five out of eight. Just... Yep. Only leaves us with Johnny... Gonzo. Bubba and Toe Cutter. And speaking of Johnny, we get a wipe... To Johnny riding up to a bridge. Now this bridge is the Princess Freeway overpass. You can kind of 
see underneath it some train tracks leading off and then Melbourne in the distance. This bridge looks different than the other locations because it kind of is. It's a major roadway that they're filming on. And this was actually the first shot that they did on the first day of production. And you may be thinking, well, if this is a major roadway, how did they get this shot? Well, they had the traffic coordinator go off and narrow down the highway to a single lane. And then he just stood there with a stop sign like a construction worker. And everyone just stopped. Right. And so this scene of Johnny riding up and then getting into the phone box, they did it all in one take because there were like hundreds of... Of people sitting in traffic. If I remember correctly, it was morning. Like yeah. morning rush hour. Yeah. So there was a lot of people sitting in traffic. And they just did the shot super quick, which you can you can tell from the shot. Right. That Johnny is in a hurry. <laughs> and thank goodness that it fits the scene. Yeah. Because Johnny rides up. He parks quickly. Hops off the bike. And then he's got his helmet on and he's holding a crowbar. And he rips the helmet off and he throws the helmet down. But in throwing the helmet down, he also drops the crowbar. Yes. So he has to scramble to reach down, pick up the crowbar, and then he starts pulling at this chain that is wrapped around this little police box. And he eventually gets it open, and we don't actually see him pick up the receiver and make the phone call, probably because they needed to get this shot done ASAP. Yep. But yeah, as soon as this was done, they packed up, got out of Dodge before the police could come arrest them for impeding traffic like that. Yes. So I think it's an interesting story that served the scene well. Thank goodness it wasn't supposed to be a like romantic scene or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes rushed romantic scenes. Right. Absolutely. My question is, who did he call? Ghostbusters? I think this was before Ghostbusters, right? Like, it was. Way before it Ghostbusters. It was. It was. So. Yeah. Um, it was way before Vanilla Ice um, because Johnny had a problem and he needed someone to solve it. Yeah. Um, so he was unable to call Vanilla Ice and check out the beats while the DJ revolves it. Um, let's see. He had a problem and no one else could solve it. Was the A-Team around at that point? I think so. The trouble with the A-Team. was from the 70s, right? But they were American. Yeah, and you've got to find them. You know, you don't call them up. It's like, if you they have a problem, you. no one else will help you and you can find them, the A-Team can be hired to help you out. Ah, Johnny would have a really hard time finding the A-team on such short notice. Let's see. Kind of drawing a blank on any other people that he could call for help. Okay, well, my real guess. <laughs> I have two actual theories. Okay, yeah. Don't let me, uh, don't let me stop you anymore. <laughs> um, one is that he called the mechanic shop. Yep. He probably knew that Bubba's bike, and we think Toe Cutter's bike maybe also, but at very least Bubba's bike was in the shop. Mm-hmm. So... He could have called the Grease Rat. Or they could have a contact in that little beach village where they're hanging out at the beach. They could have a contact there mm. that he could have called. They could have said, you know, track down Toe Cutter hanging out on the beach waiting for his bike to be done. Yeah. Sort of thing. So those are my two ideas on Con who he called. Considering that the next shot that we see is Toe Cutter and Bubba walking out of the mechanic shop, I feel like that's where Johnny called. Yeah, actually, as I was saying it out loud, I think that one makes more sense. Mm -hmm. The weird thing about that next shot of Bubba and Toe Cutter coming out of the shop is the question of where they were when Max was there earlier. Because Bubba's bike has been there the entire time. Right. Like and that little, saw it. that little beach village is close by. But it's not that but close. But it's not that close by. And walking seems beneath them. 
Yeah. So do you think do you think they were dropped back off? It could be that someone dropped them off. It could be that they were hanging out in a different part of the junkyard. Right. I don't really know. The important thing that happens in this scene, at least, is that Toe Cutter picks up his helmet and a couple of photographs fall out. Yes. So at some point, Max was alone with Toe Cutter's helmet. Right. And he was able to recognize that it was Toe Cutter's helmet specifically, which probably came after we panned away from him interrogating the Grease Rat. Yes. I'll bet the Grease Rat told him that it was Toe Cutter's bike and Toe Cutter's helmet. Yeah. And so Max left the things there for him to find. But it still doesn't answer the question of where Toe Cutter and Bubba were that whole time. Like, if they were in another part of the junkyard, it could be that they didn't hear Max drive up. But with all of the noise that the Grease Rat was making... I doubt, I, yeah, I doubt that. Um, that, that car is a loud car. It's got a big engine. Yeah. It's, it's not a stealth car. No, not really. So I think if they were just hanging out in another area, the, the sound would have carried yeah. and they would have been curious. And if they had been around, like, would Max have just left? I mean, he would have had the leader and second in command of this gang that he's hunting right there. Like, if they were in a side room taking a nap or something like that, he'd have them. He'd just slap handcuffs on them and, I don't know. Well, he's certainly not interested in handcuffs anymore. But he could have shot them. Easy as you please. Yeah. It just... I think in the entirety of the movie, this question here is what bothers me the most. Right. Because we never see... We never see them separated from their bikes. Right. And if Bubba was getting his bike worked on, why would Toe Cutter leave his bike? Well, I know this sounds kind of strange and kind of sound it and and maybe sounds beneath the toe cutter, but what if the toe cutter had his own bike and had taken Bubba back to pick up his bike? Like Bubba had ridden on the back of Toe Cutter's bike, mm-hmm. which does not sound like Toe Cutter, but if all of the other trusted lieutenants had been assigned to go get fuel. Yeah. And Toe Cutter and Bubba were going to go pick up Bubba's bike. Yeah. But but then when would Max have put the photos in yeah, the helmet? Yeah, it's problematic. I... It is. I, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, it takes us where we where we need to go. Right. And it does that just fine. But getting to this point, I don't know how we do it. Yeah. Like I said, of all of the instances of things happening in this movie, this is the one that bothers me the most. Like, this is the one that I most want answers to. Yeah. Like, where were they, or rather, how did those photos get into Toe Cutter's helmet? So speaking of the photos, Toe Cutter picks up his helmet, they fall onto the ground, and he bends down to pick them up. And like we said, one is a photo of Jesse and Sprague, the other one is a photo of Goose. And from the look on Toe Cutter's face, I think this is the first time that he's ever had the inkling that Goose, who he would recognize from them hunting him for so long yes and jesse who he obviously found out her first name this is the first indication that those two are actually like connected incidents yes like i I agree and i find it very satisfying that he's finally realizing that because we've known the whole time Mm -hmm. that he is he is satisfying two different vendettas at the same time he is getting he's hurting max and he's hurting the woman who insulted him Mm -hmm. at the same time and he has no idea so finally that he's clued into what we know is very satisfying yeah another thing that stands out to me about the expression on his face Is that it also seems like the toe cutter is wondering how those pictures got in his helmet. Absolutely. And that kind of tells me that he hasn't been separated from his helmet. 
Yeah. He he kind of looks around like he's wondering if somebody is still around. Mm-hmm. So if someone had, while the two men were inside, someone had run up, dropped the helmet, dropped the photos in the helmet, and then ran away. That would be plausible, I guess. Yeah. That would also... If Max paid some kid. Yeah, either like some sort of short round situation. Or he left those... T- pictures with the grease rat that's one thing that i just yeah, realized could maybe be the when grease you, rat did it when you mentioned someone dropping them in the helmet after the fact he could have in the course of terrorizing the grease rat told him when the toe cutter gets back you drop these in his helmet without him seeing you yeah i think that's the or, only way it makes sense i wonder if because that's a that's a complicated thing to ask somebody to do and expect it to be done correctly. So I'm wondering if he simply gave the grease rat the pictures and said, when he comes back for the bikes, you give him these. Yeah. And grease rat came up with the idea of putting him in the helmet because he didn't want the confrontation. That makes sense. I mean, we already talked about how he probably has fractured ribs and whatnot. He probably wouldn't want... Right. Toe cutter to lay into him the way that Max did. Right, because how much more can the grease rat take before his injuries turn serious? Yeah, that's a good point. Plus, I mean, he doesn't seem to be the kind that would want to stand up to that type of punishment anyway. No, not at all. Not that anyone necessarily wants it, but whatever. <laughs> but he, maybe he found a way to avoid it. Yeah. So right. he just dropped him in the helmet rather than saying these were left for you. Yeah, it t- it took us a little bit to get around to it, but I I find that as a satisfying scenario. So maybe I'm maybe I'm a little bit more okay with this now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it doesn't answer every question, but it's an interesting it's an interesting idea. Exactly. Exactly. So after Toe Cutter gets these photos, the rest of the minute for like the next 20 seconds or so is kind of a little short montage of these different angles of Toe Cutter and Bubba driving along and Max, you know, seeing them and following them. Mm -hmm. And the first time we see them ride by Max, he's standing on an overpass. This is called the Maltby Bypass, and unfortunately for people that love going to see where scenes were filmed, this overpass is no longer there. It was uh, torn down in 1999 for a bigger overpass further on down the road. But we see them drive underneath Max, and then we wipe to a scene of them driving by a big field, and then we see the black-on-black kind of coming in at a perpendicular road. Yeah, I expect that the road that he was on in the overpass... That he continued down that road and it like loops around at some point Mm -hmm. and connects to the road that the two guys were on. Yeah. As I've watched this minute before, sometimes I get the feeling that all of this seems very coincidental. Like, oh, he just happens to be on that overpass and then he just happens to find them driving along this road as he's on this road. But the more I thought about it, the more I think it's just him relying on his knowledge of the roads in and around Melbourne. The idea that he was a highway cop for so long, and so he knows where roads go to. I like that idea. It did feel like a little too lucky. Yeah. But I like your thought that he can anticipate their movements Mm -hmm. because he knows the area so well. Yeah, because policemen, they get a sense after a while of where the major byways are, where the problem spots are. Yeah. And so he just took out four gang members at the bridge. And so now he knows that Toe Cutter and Bubba need to go back to the shop to get Bubba's bike. And so he probably figures, well, if they're coming from the bike and heading towards, you know, this other area, he just kind of say, oh, well, I'll sit on this bridge and keep an eye out for it. And you just lucked into them going that way. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have decided to go another way, but just him intuiting, into intuiting, right? Him intuiting their intentions. He lucked out, yes, and caught them. And so, as he saw which way they were going, he was able to plan out his route to not so much intercept them, but like close the distance. Yes, he knew all the good shortcuts. Yes. Now, I've looked at some maps of the Melbourne area, and I, I wouldn't say that I have like a good grasp. On what they look at like compared to like our area, the New England area. But here in New England, you see a lot of the time the roads are very curvy. There's not a lot of straight paths that you can follow. Yeah. Everything bends around hills and through towns and whatnot. And so it's very important that you learn over time, you know, what road goes where. Well, it makes it easy when they name the road after where it goes. That's true. Like looking at a zoomed out map of the Melbourne area, it doesn't look like that's the case as much. It looks um, a lot more like like straight, more direct roads than the type we see here in New England. Melbourne proper has a lot of straight roads, kind of a grid-based system. Ah. The M1 kind of mucks things up because it winds down through the city. But for the most part, a lot of the major byways in the city itself are pretty straight. Going north of the city, still zoomed out pretty far, like you've got major highways, but the other roads besides that start to take on more of the curvy and wobbly (laughs) characteristics that you see for highways around our area. And when you live in an area like that, it's very important to figure out where roads go. Right. It it becomes much more difficult just to use your sense of direction Mm -hmm. to actually get somewhere. Like when you're learning to drive and you live in New England, you can hop in the car and you get to this point where you're like, I should figure out where that road leads to. Because you can go into a road on one end, get turned around seven different times and pop out in a completely different town. And now you know. (laughs) You know where point A is. You know where point B is. And if you're ever at point B and you need to get back to point A, you know that you can take that side road. It's definitely, it's a learning process. Right. And being, as a non-native to this area, I'm still working on that. Mm -hmm. You still, like, you'll take ways to get places. I'm like, I've never been on this road in my life. I do not know where I am. Mm -hmm. So I think it's definitely an advantage that Max has over Bubba and Toe Cutter. And also an advantage... At this point, they have no idea they're being followed, right? I don't think they fully grasp the severity of the implications of those photographs. Toecutter is very smart. He knows something is amiss Mm -hmm. with the photographs. So I can't imagine him riding along just nothing's wrong in the world. Yeah. So he, he must be suspicious. But he doesn't seem to know that he's being followed Specifically by Max. Yeah. I think that's the kicker. And he's like, also... he knows something is up, but he doesn't, he doesn't know, know who. Yeah. He's never seen the black on black before either. Right. So in the scene where Max is coming up perpendicular, they pass him. Mm-hmm. And they are capable of seeing his car. But whether they take any notice of it, I don't know. But even if they did take notice of it, they wouldn't recognize the car. Yeah. I have a feeling that tomorrow is going to present kind of a turning point for Toe Cutter and Bubba as far as their understanding of the situation because we're going to see Max following them at a much closer rate than he has so far. Yeah. Like here we've seen two instances of him following them. Once standing on the bridge, Mm -hmm. once driving across the field. Tomorrow, 
tomorrow we pick up with him following behind them on a straightaway. And yeah, I mean, the, Australia has rolling hills and whatnot. Yeah, but so if you look behind you, you can view, see But yeah. I think they're start going to start putting two and two together and realizing that this car specifically is related to the photographs that Toe Cutter found. And in a sense, related to the call that Johnny made to them. What they're probably doing is going oh, yeah. to meet up Johnny. Johnny yeah, told them to I meet him somewhere. I forgot about the phone call. I wonder if Johnny actually got to talk to one of them or if he relayed the message through uh, the grease rat. Because mm-hmm. if he got to talk to them directly, I think they would probably have more details. Like what the car looks like. Yeah. I mean, Johnny certainly got a good look at it. May not know who the driver is. Right. Like, I'm pretty sure that they're not going to be able to have a face-to-face interaction until Thursday. That's a long time from now. Yeah. There's a lot to happen before is... Thursday. Well, it's a lot of driving. Yes, it is a lot of driving. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely curious, like, what the thought process is, especially tomorrow, for sure. Yes. I have a feeling tomorrow is going to be a short episode. I think so, too. I, I mean, it's... Interesting things happen, just not a lot of interesting things happen. Yeah, but either way. Yep. We'll, we'll jump that when we get to it. So, in the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute, like us on Facebook, and join our listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 81. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and men.